I'm straight. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, I said, I think so. And our elders said, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, and, uh, and then, so we said yes to it. And then I got on and started YouTubing and watching all these videos. And I'm like, oh, he's pretty awesome. But still didn't, like, evidently, like, he's, like, like nationally known and been on, like, like TV and stuff. And so, like, so uh, that's just kind of, a, kind of a cool thing. But even another, another pastor in town was like, what? I'm... I like apologetics more than you do, and what you guys got. Is, and I'm like, well, sorry, sorry, man. I don't know what to tell you. Work that out with Jesus. <laughs> I didn't say that Jesus likes me more. I just I let that be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, we're um, we're in, just started a series in Mark uh, last week. And, and so we're just going to continue on. I, I, th- I think I mentioned that we're not going verse by verse, but we're um, kind of do kind of just popping through Mark and just seeing what, what's the Lord what's the Lord saying to us. And um, there was there's a church in California that did like I think 56 weeks in Mark. And they're like, well, we'll do we'll do slightly south of that. Um, and uh, so Mark, uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter two verses one through twelve today. And the title is uh, First Things First. First things first, and um, you know, so Becky and I, uh, you know, three three little girls. Most of you know we have three little girls, um, ages uh, eight, uh, five, and uh, and two and a half. And the two and a half year old thinks she's eight, and so we, but 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 we have those those three age groups in our in our home. And um, so a lot of times, so we'll, just like some of you, or maybe you remember when when you when you had young kids, man, the kids. Like, they run up to you, daddy, 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 you know, and, and they're talking a million miles an hour, especially if you're my eight-year-old, talking a million miles an hour. We're like, whoa, whoa, slow, slow down, slow down, slow down. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll come up, and, and, and they'll be asking for something. Uh, we want to we go to the park, or can we have candy, or, can, or, or uh, you know, we want to do the children's museum, or, or we want to go to that disease-infested apple, uh, big apple, or, you know, whatever, you know. I digress. You know, we want to, all, all the stuff that they want to do, and and often what we what we'll say we'll say whoa, whoa slow down, slow down. Um, do, do you have your homework done? Uh, is your room clean? Right? Um, have you done what I've already asked you to do? You know, all of these things. And the, so we'll say something like, first things first. First things first. I know. I know you're coming to me with this big, and it's not what you came. It's not like what you came to me was a was a bad thing or anything like that. It's just, hey, let's put uh, first things first. Would you do what we already asked you to do, and then we can talk. Then we can talk about that. And so today, I want to talk about first things first. Um, the, the, just to to remind us just a little bit of, of that background of Mark. I'm not going to go through all the things from last week, but um, many believe that Mark was a disciple of Peter. Um, you guys remember the Apostle Peter, one of, one of Jesus' three, three main guys? He was in the, 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 um, the Fab 12, the, those that, that, that were really close to Jesus, the disciples. And um, Peter was, uh, uh, was one, of the, one, probably, you know, one of the main, one of the main three. John, was, he, John went, went as far as saying, I'm the one that Jesus loves. He's like, he like self, self-declared that he was Jesus' best friend. But, but Peter was, was pretty close up there. Um, and so that was Mark, and uh, um, he was the same guy that, that the Apostle Paul kind of had a problem with. He was, the, he was the young intern that just, man, like never got his homework in on time, and, and was a little bit like he, he'd go he'd get ready for the missions trip, and Mark's still packing, and Paul's like, come on, 
you know, and, and, uh, and so Paul was just like, hey, let's, I don't have any time for this. We got to get things done. And Barnabas is like, well, man, I like Mark. And so I, I think Barnabas kind of took him under his wing. Eventually, eventually, uh, Mark, most, most scholars say that Mark became the disciple of Peter, which is how we have the gospel of Mark. Um, all of the things that Peter would have shared with Mark are now, now kind of uh, uh, went into this gospel. And uh, actually, I wanted to show you um, a picture here. Do we have this, this picture of Israel? So um, most of Mark is divided into to two sections. Some people say three sections. It would be Jesus' ministry in, in Galilee and then, and then Jesus' ministry in Judea down, down near Jerusalem. And uh, um, some people would say part of it was on his way from, from Galilee to Jerusalem, but if you look all the way up to the, to the top near that place where it says Golan, in fact, I was I was there in the Golan Heights. Um, if you've watched any of the news, you know that like like uh, this this piece of real estate is one of the most contested pieces of real estate um, in history um, ever, and, uh, and especially like that those Golan Heights right over there to the right in, in that yellow in that yellow section. And we had lunch in the Golan Heights, and if and it was a little cloudy, but if it wasn't cloudy, you could have seen. To, you could have seen right over there into Syria and all of that, and so that was pretty. That was pretty cool. But but right right over there, if you see it, just a little body of water, um, oh, about an inch down from the top, is the Sea of Galilee, and this is where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. Is right around that that body of water, and then there's kind of a, a black line that goes down, and that would that would be the the Jordan River, and uh, and so it goes you know from the Sea of Galilee all the way down. And then you see where the country of Jordan is, that name Jordan. If you go a little bit to the left, that's the Dead Sea right there. And that's going to be right around the, the, um, the area of Judea and the, the deserts of Judea and all of those stuff. And Jerusalem is just a little bit. You, in fact, you see kind of the, the you, if, you, if, you, if you get your magnifying glass out, you could see kind of Bethlehem and, and, uh, and all of that. So Jerusalem's more right there in the middle. And so it's good to kind of see that. In fact, last week when we were talking about about Jesus and, um, and him getting baptized. So what happened in those first few verses was he came from Nazareth, which was up by um, the Sea of Galilee. And he would have come down all the way. You know, in Scripture, when you just like, Jesus went to Jerusalem. Like, it took a little, it wasn't just like right next door. It was, it was quite a ways. It was miles and miles. And Jesus would have come down to, to the area of Judea by the Jordan River, and it would have taken a little bit of time, and then he would have got baptized there. And then he would have gone back up. And so what we're talking about, these, these first few weeks, we're really talking about the, his ministry in that top area of Israel, right around the Sea of Galilee. And so that's kind of, that's where we're at. Just wanted to remind us, the purpose of the book of Matthew, if, you've, if you're looking at the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the main purpose of the book of Matthew was written to the Jews. Jesus was the promised Messiah. And so Matthew's saying to all the Jews that are waiting for Messiah to come, hey, he's here. He's here. You don't have to wait any longer. The Mark, the Gospel of Mark, which we're studying, was written to the Romans. Jesus was son of God and, and really servant. He kind of, he emphasized Jesus being servant and being the son of God. And, and, uh, um, and then Luke, who was a doctor, he wrote to the Gentiles. And everyone knows that Gentile just means not what? Not Jew, not Jew. And so that was it. So he wrote to the, anybody that wasn't a Jew. And he was, he was saying, yes, Jesus was, Jesus was a, was a man as well. Like he emphasized the, the humanity of Jesus all throughout his gospel. He was a man, not a myth. And then the gospel of John 
was written also to Jews and Gentiles. It was, it was kind of to the both. And, and Jesus, Jesus was the Son of God, but Jesus was more than just the Son of God. Jesus was God. Jesus was, he was the full meal deal. And uh, um, I mentioned last week, Mark is a great place to start. If you're just starting out in your faith, Mark is a great place to start if you're new to Christianity, if you don't know Bible very well, and there's no shame in that at all. Just, that's a, it's a starting place. Go read Mark. Um, and so here we go, Mark chapter 2. It says a few days later, and what I wanted you to know is, is sometimes you don't understand timelines in Scripture. You're just reading it, and you're going along. Well, in chapter 1, between verse 13 and 14, if, if you're interested in this, there's probably about a year between verse 13 and 14 in chapter 1. We don't know exactly how much time's taken place, but there's, there's quite a bit of time. In fact, Jesus is well known around the Sea of Galilee at this time. It's like, like he's, the, he's the guy that, went, that is doing miracles and all of this, and everybody is coming to see Jesus. This is, he's big time. He didn't really go out to set out to be big time. In fact, how many know a lot of times Jesus would heal someone and say, shh, don't don't tell anybody, you know, he'd, he'd heal a leper, and you know, leper was that disease all over your body, where, where th- your body, body parts would start to die, and then, and you, you'd be eating, and you'd go back, and be like, oh, where's my hand, you know, or, you know, you're, you're, someone's like, hey, I think you dropped something into your ear, you know, and like, there'd be, oh, that, that was leprosy, and, and, and you were unclean, you weren't allowed to be around uh, um, people, that you were ceremonially unclean, and, 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 so, and it was definitely, Jewish people couldn't touch um, a leper, and, uh, um, and Jesus, man, he, he, he set the bar really high where he would actually go and touch. And he touched them, and he healed them. And then he'd say, don't tell anybody, and then they'd go and tell everybody. Or he'd cast a demon out of somebody, and then he'd say, all right, no, no, don't tell anybody. And then they'd go and tell everybody. And so his, his fame was, was going to where he, it was hard to, to even get into places. There'd be crowds and crowds, and he'd, he'd tell his disciples, let's get in a boat and just kind of go away. Or, or let's go into this house. So they were, so this story shows, starts where he's in, he's in a place called Capernaum, and, and he is in a house, and it is packed. It is packed. In fact, there are people outside the door. There are people, there are people looking in the windows. I, I was in a place like this in Cuba one time where, I mean, the, the fire of God, the, the passion of God in all of these people in Cuba, and they would just come, and they would just be hanging out the windows because they were so hungry to hear the word of God, so hungry to see what God was doing. And we, in fact, we had all of these, these skits and, and dramas and, and songs and everything planned, and there was no room to do it. They were, like, crowded up, like, right up into the front. We couldn't do it so we just like on the spot we said i guess we're just going to be a choir today and so we just started singing songs everyone's with it was amazing but i I think of a house like this where jesus might have been is that it was it was so packed there was no getting in there was they were breaking every fire code imaginable right that's that's the scene right here they were in capernaum and um capernaum uh if you've read your bible you you may have you may have read that jesus hometown was nazareth um, but but he he left kind of left Nazareth and Nazareth wasn't really a favorable place for him to do ministry. Capernaum became like headquarters of Jesus. So that was so. In fact, I was in Capernaum and uh, we went in there and there's a sign over the city. It was like it's like Jesus City or something like that. It was like this is this, this Jesus hometown and that's really what it what it was. This was like Jesus 
hometown now was, was Capernaum. This is where he set up shop. And um, we went to a, there was a, a fourth or fifth century um, synagogue that was built. And you could, you could see that. And it was built right on top. They could see, you could see kind of the, the, the architecture. And they, they knew that, that somewhere down over in this, there was an area uh, oh, I don't know. It was probably like five by five area where you could see down this the kind of this black stone. And they said this would have been first century um, uh, synagogue. This would have been Jesus would have preached here in this synagogue. And I'm like, oh man, mind blown. And then you look a little bit, a little bit down the road, and, and we we walked a little ways, and we found a place where um, this was this was a, an old like first century home that where they had, uh, on top of it, they had built this, this great modern-day church, but they had this kind of excavated thing right underneath, and you could see it, and this would have been like Peter's home. And this was when you read, like, earlier in Mark, when, when Jesus went to heal the, the, uh, Peter's mother-in-law's fever. It would have been, like, right there. And a lot of people think when Jesus came to town that, this, that he would just hang out at Peter's home. So this could have been... Peter's home that we're talking about. We don't, we, you don't really know, but it was, I'll tell you what, I tell people that when I went to Israel and, and people say, well, I, we don't know, it could have been here or here. I'll tell you what, it's a lot closer than Kearney, Nebraska. So I was super close to where, to where it was. Um, and so it, it's, it's just exciting. So, so we were in, in Jesus' hometown and it was, the, it was the headquarters. Let's start reading. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, I want you to understand the purpose of Jesus in this moment, in this story, he was preaching, he was teaching. He's done a lot of healing. He's, he's been, been out and healed whole villages and crowds and all this stuff, but right here, he was super committed to preaching the word, and that's, that's one of the, his primary purposes for coming was to preach the word and to tell people about, about who he was and all of this. And so he's sitting there, everyone's gathered around, and Jesus is preaching. And, uh, verse 3 says, Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. And, and I started looking at it, started thinking about this. You know, So you've got, you've got four friends. They have heard the fame, right? Uh, for some reason, they hadn't, they hadn't yet been able to get their friend to Jesus. And, and he's been in, in what they called the Decapolis or around the Sea of Galilee. There was a Deca, meaning 10. There were 10 main cities around the area where Jesus ministered in. And, and for some reason, up until this point, they had not been able to get their friend. He's, he's lame, and they want to get him to Jesus. Why? Why would you think they want to get him to Jesus? Oh, man, they want to get him healed. And there's, there's, been, there's some other stories in the Bible similar to that. Man, if we just get to Jesus, do you guys remember another story? If we just get to Jesus, like the woman with the issue of blood, you remember that? And that's, that's near there too. They just uncovered a, the city of, of Magdala where they think maybe that woman was at. And man, if I just get to Jesus, if I just get to Jesus, and these four thought, man, all we got to do is get our, get our friend to Jesus, and he's going to stand up and walk. I mean, that, what faith? That's, that's amazing. And so they, so they gather, gather things together. They, they, I don't know if they made the cot or not, but they, but they have a cot. They put their friend on it. It's a fishing town and uh, known for fishing, and, and they f probably grabbed some fishing ropes and tied it to the four different corners of, of the mat, and they carried their, their friend to Jesus. And there was no, there was no room there, and, 
And uh, in that day, um, it was very common for, for there to be uh, um, access, outside access to get up to the roof. So they went up to the roof and it was either a thatch roof or a mud roof or, or, some, or some kind of movable tiles, however it was. The Bible says that like, they, they like dug a hole. And I can just imagine, because I'm a preacher and, and Jesus was preaching. <laughs> and I'm just imagining just, just preaching the word and just things started falling on my head. Raindrops falling. No, I don't know. It's just dust and dirt and thatch, you know, grass and whatever. And you're just looking up and you're hearing this commotion. And, um, you know, when I'm preaching and, and there's distractions sometimes, like, like people sleeping or whatever, it might, it might be distractions. <laughs> but there's distractions. I'm just, I've done it long enough that I just, I just plow through, you know? Like, like, like if something's over there, I'm going to preach over this side. If something's going on over here, I'm going to preach over there. I'm just going just gonna to go and, and distract. I, I don't know. I'm, so sometimes I wonder, what was Jesus doing? Like, was he just, did everything stop and they're just kind of waiting for whatever to happen to happen, you know? Or did he just keep preaching on and, and, and the dust is flying and everybody's like trying to pay attention to Jesus' words and he, and he just keeps preaching and then finally, finally there's like an opening and, and there's the sun shining through and, sh- and you know when there's dust in the room and the sh- sun shines and you can see like the sun ray. And you're just, like, but did it happen like that? I don't know. I don't know. But, all I, but what we do know is that they opened the roof to get Jesus down as close or get, get the man down as close to Jesus as possible. And then my mind goes like this. I start thinking, so was he like tied up to the mat? Because like what if he fell off as they're trying to get like how, how I guess I guess he's already lame, I don't know, you know. It's worth a shot. I don't know. Or, or did they like tie him to it and then I don't know how they did but however they did it, they were coordinated. They had four guys that were coordinated, four fishing ropes, and they lowered it down. The Bible does I mean, I wish the Bible was a little bit more like uh, descriptive in some of the because my mind just starts to go and I'm I'm just thinking this could have been this could have been bad. This could have been really bad. And there's a whole crowd and all that, whatever. I digress. And so it lowers. And the mat comes right. Right at the feet of Jesus. We'll do it like right here. You know, I'll, I'll play Jesus today. And, and the mat's right there. And the guys are like, hee, you know. And, and Jesus is like, and, and now interrupt this program for this. And it was really interesting. What caught Jesus' attention was the faith of these four guys. This is how the story goes on. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, right, the faith of these four, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Now notice they're thinking this bunch of cowardly Pharisees. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which reminds me, I was was years ago when I was living in Iowa and um, we we had an internship program at the church I was serving at and 
there was this there was this young man in our program and i'm not gonna lie like he was he was oppressed by demons um i don't know i don't know if he was saved at that point or not i don't know (laughs) it depends on your theology but he was definitely oppressed and there was one day where i'm in my office and he comes in there's somebody else in my office and like I could tell something was troubling him. When I say something troubling him, I'm talking something was troubling him. Like he was, he was uh, either on demons or on drugs or on both. I don't know. And he's in my office. And he, it was one of those moments. I feel like I can't make this stuff up. And he's like, I know what you're thinking. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't know what I'm thinking. He's like, I know what you're thinking. Like, no, it, you aren't, you can't know <laughs> what I'm thinking. We're like going back and forth. And the, the, the thing is, like, like the, theologically, like, like uh, the demons, the devil can't, can't know your thoughts. They can put thoughts there. They just can't know your thoughts. I'm like, no, really, seriously, you don't know what I'm thinking. It, it made me think of this story. There's no, like, direct application, but I thought you should know about that one. Should I tell another story about that? No, no, no. And man, it was, it was just, just crazy. It was, it was the same guy, the same, same boy. That one, one day we were, everyone's like, like in the gym where the youth were hanging out, and he goes out to the parking lot, and he just like screams at the top of the Everyone's like, what, what's going on? And it's big. It's, all, all, whatever you think about, about deliverance and, and demons and all that, you know, like a good portion of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. I don't know, but uh, that was interesting. So here, Jesus, back to Jesus, he, uh, he knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew exactly what they were thinking, and he, and he says, why are you thinking these things? He goes on, verse 9, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? Which one do you guys think would be easier to say? <laughs> your sins are forgiven so he said to the man I tell you and he looks down at the man he says I tell you get up take your mat and go home so this paralyzed lame man gets up picks up his own mat somehow they made way part of the Red Sea and he walked through the crowd and, and went home and this amazed everyone and they praised God saying we have never seen anything like this, which is interesting because they have seen quite a bit like this <laughs> because Jesus had been doing amazing miracles all around the Sea of Galilee, but they'd never seen this. They've never seen the miracle connected to the heart condition where he's forgiving sins and helping hearts get right and miracle. They're like, he can, not only can he, like, do miracles, but, like, he can, he can forgive people, too, and they're, like, they're, like, they're the whole, the body, soul, like, everything's right. Like, this is crazy. We've never seen anything like this before. And I thought this was interesting, um, what was going on here, because uh, he forgave the man's sins before he healed him. There's, there's two places in Scripture where Jesus forgave somebody's sins and we're not talking about like when someone sins against you we're talking about in in general where he would like forgive somebody's sins in general and there's two places there's this place and then there's a place where um uh, a woman of ill ill repute uh, a prostitute had come 
to Jesus and she was, uh, she was weeping and wa- you know, washing his feet and he forgave her sin there too. So this was interesting, what was going on here. It was a, a unique experience with Jesus at this time. He forgave the man's sins before he healed him. Um, I want to I want to pause there because it's really it's really easy for us to to take places in scripture and and then make a make a whole doctrine out of it right you take you take one one verse and then you're like nope nope he only he only heals you if uh, if if you've been forgiven or or you know all of these types of things and what we do know is there, there is a principle here, there's a pattern here that Jesus is wanting to show us. But there's, there's man, there, you know, you look in Scripture, there's people that were healed that, that didn't know Jesus. There's people that were healed. You know, a lot of times people say, well, you got to have faith to be healed. I, I would say that's a good idea. Lazarus didn't have much faith. Right? right? So there's, there's these, at least some, some breaks the rule scenarios where you're just like, okay, you, you, you start to figure Jesus out, and then you like... Turns left, and you're like, "Whoa, wait!" Ah, you know, and then you have to like, like try to figure that one out, and then he, then he turns right, and you're like, oh, "I thought I had this whole thing figured out, and I realized that like, oh, he's God, and I'm not." And so there's this, there, there's a lot of this stuff where um, I think we miss a big point when you when you start to say, "This is how he does it," you start to miss the point of a story, because I think there was something deeper going on here than just than just this is how you heal, and this is what's going on. Watch this. Here's the main thought today. When we come to Jesus, his first priority is always the condition of our heart. Everything else we bring him is secondary. Okay? I think this is what was, I think this is the main thing. I think this is the main thing that Jesus was trying to accomplish. And then he was sparring with the Pharisees and all of this, and that was a, that was, that was a great showdown. And he's like, oh, oh, you think? Well, healed. And Jesus did that all the time. But if we're going to just, unpack, like, what's the main thing that was happening here, like, with this man, the, the story of the four that lower him through the roof and this, this great commotion and all of this. Man, when, when he, lo- I'm, I'm imagining these four guys, and they've gone through all the work of destroying Peter's home, probably, lowers him down, and Jesus looks up, looks down, and says, oh, man, your sins are forgiven. And the four guys go, What? After all that time, all that work, we, all the, the, the great fishing knots we did on those four corners and everything like that, like, after all of this, and you're not even going to heal? When you read the story, there's a thought that crosses my mind. I don't know if it crosses your mind. You read the story, and it's almost, almost like he heals the man in response to the Pharisees. Like, I wonder if the Pharisees hadn't had those thoughts almost, or if they hadn't, like, I wonder if, there were, if Jesus would have healed the guy. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think that Jesus was going to heal him no matter what. I'd like to think that. But what I do know is, for some reason, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then there was quite a bit of space in between your sins are forgiven and the miracle. And the miracle, if you read it, the miracle was in response to saying, oh, you think, you think I can't forgive sins? You think I don't have authority to forgive sins? Boom, he's healed. And it was like, oh, he probably has authority to forgive sins. I mean, if he can do that, he can do that. Interesting stuff. Stuff to just ponder. Stuff to think about. 
But what I walked away with, not having all of those answers, those questions answered, was this. He cares more about the condition of our heart than what we bring him. And why does he care so much about our heart? Why would you think? Why does he care so much about our heart? I think this, because his first priority is always relationship. Man, I say this all the time in here, and, and, and it'll be a broken record and, and all this, but man, he doesn't want to just be a cosmic gumball machine in the sky that you put your cord in and get your answer out. He doesn't just want to be that. He wants to do amazing things for you. He wants to do miracles. He wants to do healings. He wants to do breakthrough. He wants all of these things that you're wanting, he wants to. He probably wants it more than you do. But he'll, he's waiting because he's like, I care more about your heart more about your heart than what you just brought to me. His first priority is relationship. I, think of your heart like a gate. Think of your heart like a gate. You're, a gate that allows or disallows. Your heart is a gate, and it allows or disallows relationship with God. Now, obviously, if you don't know Jesus, if, you, if you're not going to heaven, if, you don't, if, you've never, if you've never accepted him as your savior, like, like right now your, your gate is closed. I'm not shooting that at you. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but, but just logic and reason. Your gate, the gate of your heart is closed right now. And Jesus is knocking and he's saying, I'd really like you to open that gate. I'd really like you to open that gate. I'd really like there to be access. I'd like there to be relationship. And so, the very beginning, it's all about our gate being open or closed. But then, man, in life, in, in relationship with the Lord, how many know there's times when, you, when you, there's, you're, you sense closeness with God and there's times when there's distance? There's times when you feel like, man, things are, are trucking, we're, we're, we're on the same track, and there's other times you're like, hello, 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 right? Because there's things they get in the way of this gate. Sometimes the gate is just absolutely closed and shut and locked. And other times the gate's open, but there's like things standing at the entrance. There's, there's, it's, just, it's just hard to get through. It's not impossible, but it's hard. There's not, a, there's not a clear pathway in your heart. There's things that have been built up right there at the gate of the city of your heart, the home of your heart. And so why does he care so much about our hearts? Because he cares so much about relationship with you. You want to know what the Bible has to say about your heart? Watch this. Look at some of these verses. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I mean, this is, this is, the, this is the starting place. This is, this is the beginning. And you say, man, I, I want to be close to the Lord. Well, this is, where, this is where we start. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe where? In your heart. I think there's people that have declared with their mouth and not believed in their heart. And again, man, I, 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 hopefully you hear love coming from me and not, not just judgment and all of that. But listen, listen, if you're one of those that declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but you never took that step to believe in your heart, like it wasn't a, a heart connection, you might not be going to heaven. I would want to get that clear. Before I showed up there, like at the pearly gates, and, and he was saying, hey, uh, you know, and he's trying to decide if he lets you in, right? Whatever. I'd want to know that before I got there. Was it just an intellectual transaction or was there a heart change? 
Was there something that happened here? It's all about relationship. It's not about you knowing the right answer and all of this. How many know knowing the right answer is a good thing? But it, man, it goes way, way beyond what you can know. Do you guys remember, was it last week that I talked about my friend in, in, in high school at the place we worked that he knew the Bible better than me and he wasn't saved? Man, whoa. And so if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Go on to the next place. Fourth, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Justified is a great Christianese word that just means just as if I hadn't sinned. Isn't that awesome? Like that, that transaction happens when you believe that it's like, it's as if you hadn't sinned before when, when, when you give your heart to Jesus. And he goes, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Wow. It's both. It's both. Here, next one. Hey, can I just say, just one more thing before that is, if something's resonating in your heart and you're just like, I need to make sure would you? Would you mark it on your connect card and say, I'd, I'd like to receive Jesus? Would you come up at the end of the service and tell someone, say, every, whatever pastor was preaching, like, like it, it's resonating. I just want to make sure that I'm going to heaven. I want to make sure things are right with Jesus. Would you do that? Would you take that step and, and be bold with that? There's opportunity today for that. Luke chapter 6, verse 40, 45 says this, a good man brings good things out of the what? The good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So someone, someone wonders, well, man, how do I know if there's things like blocking my gate, like the gate of relationship between me and the Lord? How do I know? Well, one test is like, like what do you talk about? What comes out of your mouth? The the Bible says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I mean, are you you one that speaks a lot of faith? Are you one that speaks a lot of of, uh, junk? Is is there things that come out of your mouth that you're like, your mom wouldn't want to hear? Maybe your mom says stuff worse. I don't know. What what comes out of your mouth? What do you think about? Take inventory of how you talk. The Bible says here, man, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Those things that are blocking the entrance, the gate. Matthew 15, verse 18, it says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile him, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality theft false testimony slander and we're like where does all that stuff start where does it happen it first before it ever becomes an action it first starts in here it first starts in here Matthew 5 verse 8 he said blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God and I, I think about this I think Many many people, how many, maybe it's you, I know it's me, many people just want to see God, want to feel God, want to be in his presence, want to come close, and and what's what's Jesus say? He says, well, well, listen, when, when your heart is pure, well, then you get to see God. 
And so it tells me to take inventory every once in a while. Lord, what's going on in my heart? Because I want to see you. I want to I be near you. I want to I be close. I want to I have that, that close connection with you. And, and there's times, how many know there's times when it's just, it's not there. And this is a reminder for me, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord with what? All your heart, man. With all your soul and with all your mind. Mark 11, verse 23. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, anyone got a mountain that you're praying that it would move? It says, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt where? in their heart yeah doubt and unbelief and they hang out at that gate of your heart and it's hard for there to be relationship why would there not be relationship without unbelief well because the bible says that without faith it is impossible to please god and so in order to be in that relationship where where you're pleasing him and there's and man there's connection and there's love and there's that flow like there can't be doubt and unbelief there's got to be this thought that man you are so big you can do anything you are amazing there is nothing impossible for you god there's nothing impossible for you god so here's the here's the thought here's how we respond what can we do what can we do about this there's a there's a gate of our heart and we're thinking man i want to be able to come to him and see miracles like like that man that was on the cot and he and he uh, he got healed but before he got healed first things first first things first and jesus may be saying to you hey 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 first things first first things first watch this Acts 16 verse 14 one of those listening was a woman from the city of thyatira named lydia my daughter's name's Lydia, so hmm, that just makes me feel good. All right. A dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And watch this. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Isn't that awesome? This tells me a couple things. One way you can pray for yourself, Lord, would you open my heart? One way you can pray for your friend or neighbor or close relative is, Lord, would you open their heart? Now, this, this isn't like violation of free will or anything. This is just, would you lead them as close to a decision as it can possibly be, and then, and then the rest is up to them, right? Man, there might be somebody in your life that you're like, Lord, would you open their heart? Oh, God, would you open their heart? Maybe that needs to be your prayer first right now. Lord, would you open my heart? Would you open their heart? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. You remember that one? Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. What about Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18? He says this, Paul's praying. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, that your heart eyes may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Man. Pastor Kelly, you guys can come. Hebrews 4.12. I love this. I love this. This is Bible right here. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. What's the word of God do? It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Oh, man. One of the ways I find out if there's anything blocking the gate of my heart is I'm in his word. I'm spending time with him. And then as I'm in his word, his word actually judges the thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. Here's one last one for us this morning. Psalm 139, verse 23. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you know what, you know what happened before this? Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. Anyone ever read Psalm 139? Oh, gosh. He's like, it's like, you know where I, where I sit and where I rise. You, you know, if, I'm, if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I make my bed, in the, I mean, he's like, every, you're everywhere, God. You're awesome. And he comes to this little section right at the end. And he says, he says, uh, kill all the enemies. And away from me, you bloodthirsty men. And I hate those who hate you. I hate, in fact, he says, he says, I have nothing but hatred in my heart for them. And then he says, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, he's like, he's being honest with the Lord about his feelings and his thoughts. He's like, he's like oh, this is exactly how I'm feeling right now. But Lord, would you clear things out of my heart right now? Anything that's not of you, I, I, I can't afford to have a thought about myself. I can't afford to have a thought about other people that's not the way you're thinking. Lord, any unforgiveness in my heart, any hatred in my heart, Lord, Lord, would, would you move that piece of luggage? Would you move that thing out of the way? Because I've got to have clear access to you. I want to hear you clearly. I want to see you clearly. And I'm more committed to our relationship, Jesus, than how comfortable it's been keeping these things at the gate of my heart. Would you consider that thought? I'm more committed to our relationship, Jesus, than keeping these things at the gate of my heart. Lord, all over this place, would you shine your light? Would you search us and know us? Not because you're being mean, not because you're trying to, to highlight something negative just for the sake of, of showing us all the junk, but Lord, because you're committed to helping us move these things out of the gate of our heart. We love you. We love you. Would you stand with me this morning, church? I'd like us to 
sing this song together in response and then you know at the end we'll just invite you if, if anybody wants prayer for anything this may be a good day for prayer if the Lord's highlighting something hey I need prayer I need prayer for that let's, uh, let's respond with this song
we're just going to invite our prayer team up to the front and they'll be here. You can stay in this room as long as you need to stay. I encourage you to come and get prayer this morning if there's something, anything that you want to present. Say, I need someone to stand with me. I need someone to stand with me for breakthrough this morning. I encourage you to come forward. You're welcome to leave whenever you need to leave and you can go and get your kids at any time. And God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you next week.